welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. If you've got your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, at the end of it, if you just have to know which part. Acts chapter 2. Well, all of the people in here, except for one, has lived through a historical event, and that historical event is COVID. And I know what you're thinking, like, if I never had to hear the word COVID again, I couldn't be happier, right? Uh, COVID was this crazy thing that hit in in 2022, and I tell my kids at school all the time, I tell them, one day you're going to tell your grandkids about this historical event of COVID and how it happened. Now, you'll remember with me that when COVID hit, we didn't know what to do. This was new. Nobody knew how bad it was. Nobody knew if we were going to survive it. And so governments across the world came up with this plan. The, the plan was if we take everybody and isolate them, they won't be able to spread COVID. So everybody should just stay home. You guys remember those days? It was horrible, wasn't it? It was horrible to be stuck at home with our spouses. I mean, it was horrible not to get to go to work all the time. I'm joking. It, it, was, it, was, it was horrible to be stuck. But what we saw out of that were some unexpected things in our society. Would you agree with me that society has got worse since 2020? It has been. Uh, listen to these statistics. Just in the first few months of the COVID outbreak, as, as people isolated, there was a 21% increase in the use of anxiety, antidepressants, and insomnia medications. That's just in the first couple of months. It actually gets way higher than that. What we find is that due to isolation, people were having trouble coping with life when we weren't around each other. We also saw that drug use skyrocketed and relapse rates went higher. There was a 30% increase in the first year of COVID of drug overdoses from 2019. And then we see, if you look a little bit deeper, that homicide rates in the first year of COVID rose 30%. Here's what we found out from COVID and isolation from COVID. We found out that people cannot be alone. Now listen, some of you have got your political pants on as soon as I said COVID isolation. Take them off. No, leave your pants on. I shouldn't have said that. Okay, let's let's not get political with this. We're talking about people. People cannot be alone. And you know what I love about the Bible as I've studied it more and more over the past several years? I love that what the world is finding out about the world is already contained in the Bible. Uh, Like you you learn something about human beings and then you read the Bible and it's like, well, that makes sense. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he told us to do something. And it makes sense to me that people should not be alone based upon what we know from Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Is that God created us in his image. And what does that mean and how does that affect us when it comes to being alone? Well, when you think about the image of God, what that means is God looked at himself and he said, I'm going to give parts of myself to you. You are not God's, but God made you in his image. You have an emotional capacity no other creature or object on earth has except for God. You have the ability to think and reason through problems no other creature on earth has except for God. We are made in God's image. And when you look at God, God is a deeply 
I sort of say religious, deeply relational being. If you look at God, even before he created human beings, God exists in community. That's the Trinity. God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He exists as multiple persons in one God. And the Bible will even tell you, if you'll read and study the Trinity, it will even tell you about the interactions between God the Father and God the Son. It'll tell you that Jesus has the ability to command the Holy Spirit. It tells us that God is a deeply relational being. And then he goes forward and he creates Adam and Eve. He creates them in his image. First he creates Adam. And there's Adam and God's like, okay, it's me and Adam. Things are good. And then he looks at Adam and goes, but it's not good for Adam to be alone. Because Adam was created in the image of God and God is a relational being. Adam also was a relational being. So God created Eve. And then what did he do? He immediately told them, go make more community. He said, be fruitful and multiply. You, I'm not happy with just you two. You two won't be happy by yourself. Go have children and they'll be siblings. And then one day you'll be grandparents and one day you'll be great grandparents. And what we see in the story of creation is that because we are created by God in the image of God, that people are deeply relational beings. And what we found out in COVID is that is true. And if you take people's connection and community away from them, everything goes south. We start to see our mental health decline when you take us away from community. We start to see our morality fail when you take us away from community. So in 2022 here at Ramsey Heights, every year we pick a focus. And this year we focused on community. We wanted to be a church of community. We wanted to grow in that. And a result of this was what we call our discipleship process. You guys have heard me say it just about every week since we introduced this. Adore God, bridge gaps, and cultivate the kingdom. So what we want to do as a church is we want to gather together and we want to take time, that's our worship service, to adore God. That's, that's when we come together and we just praise Him. I love that first song we sing, praise Him, praise, I won't sing anymore. Like, like, like we just praise God. So we're here to do. And even in this moment, this is not about you sitting there quietly and listening to me. This is about us together worshiping and adoring God and saying, God, you are good. And since you gave us instructions, your instructions are good. So God, I'm hungry for your word. We come together and adore God. We come together as a church to cultivate the kingdom. That means we want to see the kingdom grow. Listen, you may not hear any other pastor ever say this. I don't care. Let me take that back. My goal is not to see Ramsey Heights grow. The church will grow as God calls it to. My goal in my heart is that Ramsey Heights grows the kingdom of God across the world. And that's why we pour into discipleship here at Ramsey Heights. That's why when we could just sit here and we could ask you for extra money for something that we need, what we're saying is we want a missions drive where we're going to take extra money from ourselves and we're going to give it to a missionary in Lebanon to teach and love people we will never meet. That's why we do that because we are deeply committed to cultivating the kingdom of God. But today I, I want to focus on that. That's, it's actually the second step of the one that I haven't said. I want to focus on what we define as bridging gaps. Bridging gaps just simply means that we want to be a church of community. And as disciples, we believe that if we're growing in God, part of growing in God is bridging gaps, or that's our fancy way of saying building relationships, uh, that we build relationships together. And to understand why that is so important for a Christian, we have to ask a question about why we want to bridge gaps, build relationships in church. To answer that, we have to ask this question, what is a church anyway? What really is the purpose of church? 
So if you've got your Bibles with you, I think we're going to find a practical definition of this in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 40 and 41. So this is happening. Peter is preaching, and this is immediately what happens. And with many other words did he, that's Peter, did Peter testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word, the word that he was speaking at that time is the gospel, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So let me just catch you up with where we're at here. Let me catch you up with where we're at in the story. So Jesus comes here. He's born as a little baby in Bethlehem. For 30 years, we don't know much about his life. Between the years of 3 and 30, we have one story about Jesus' life. By the time Jesus turns 30, he starts his earthly ministry, and he goes and grabs these 12 men that are, could not be any less qualified to be men of God. He goes and grabs them and pulls them to himself, and he creates, guess what, community. And he trains them for three years to, to take on the leadership of the church. Jesus then gives his life on a cross and dies. And well, that's that for three days. And then Jesus comes back from the dead, proving that he not only is God, but that he has a right to take our sin debt on him. For 40 days after that, Jesus walks around showing himself to people, proving to his disciples that he is alive, giving last instructions. And at the end of those 40 days, Jesus ascends up into heaven, leaving one direction, go out into all the world and make disciples. You guys know that pretty well. We said every single Sunday. 10 days after that, those apostles and some other believers are all gathered around and they're praying. They're trying to figure out how do we make disciples? The Holy Spirit, that third part of God falls in them. And suddenly they're empowered and given the power to go out and preach. And that's where we're at now. Peter has just preached this awesome message about the gospel. So here's our first take-home truth today if you're taking notes. Our first take-home truth is a church is a community of baptized believers. See, Peter takes this story of the gospel to the world. The gospel just simply being that you can't save yourself. And he takes it to a group of people. He takes it to a group of people that have spent their life thinking they could earn their way to God. Well, if I'm good enough, if I do the right things, if I follow the rules, if I go to church enough, if I dress the right way, I will be holy before God. That'll be good enough. And Peter says, ah, no. Some of them lived their life thinking that they could get to God because of their lineage. They said, well, I'm one of God's chosen people. God chose us. We're special to him. And for that reason, I am good with God. And Peter goes, um, no. Others of the people that were preaching to were not Jewish. They believed in multiple gods. They're like, well, Peter, you can have your God, but I've got my six gods. Your God's really not that much more important than my gods. And Peter's like, yeah, no. He said, here's the gospel. The gospel is you cannot save yourself. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Hey, you guys know what the gospel means? It means the good news. I find it interesting, you know, what we call it the good news. But it starts with bad news. I mean, if you're going to share the gospel, the first part of the gospel is you're a bad person. You're not okay with God. And if you don't change something, or let me take that back, if something doesn't change, you're going to hell. That's not good news at all. But the second part of the gospel is so good, we forget the bad part of it. The gospel is, but God loved you so much that he sent Jesus and he provided a way to God for you. And that is the good news. No matter how bad you are or have been, you have access to God through Jesus Christ. And so people hear this message and they receive it. It says they receive the message. They go, okay. 
that sounds really good. That sounds wonderful. We receive this. We believe that Jesus is the Christ. We become followers of him. And then look at what happens. They're saved, and then they're immediately baptized. And I love this phrasing in the Bible when it says, and they were added unto them 3,000 souls. So listen to the process here. These people give their lives to Christ. They follow him in baptism. And then it says added unto them. Who was them? Them is the church. So immediately they're added into a church. Now, that kind of has always struck me. Like, like why did God put it that way? God has this intentionality. You follow me, you become, or you be baptized, follow me in baptism, and you're immediately part of the church. Why is that? It's because God designed you, and God knows you better than you can know yourself. And here's what God knows about his most beloved creation, is that we are creatures of community. And whatever community you put yourself in, you will grow in knowledge and passion within that community. This morning, if anybody, some of y'all should pray a little harder in church on Sunday mornings because the hogs almost lost last night. Like this morning, like everybody comes up, did you see the hogs? And we all talked about how mad we were, but they won. So it's kind, kind of okay. It's not really okay, but it's kind of okay. Like if you put yourself in a community of college football fans, guess what you're going to do? You're going you're gonna to talk about, you're going to grow in passion. You're going to learn about college football. If you put yourself in a community of professionals, you go to a Votex school or you get a job or you go to college, you're going to grow in passion for that particular job opportunity that you have. Even in here, we have a needles class that meets every two weeks. Our ladies meet up here and they grow in their knowledge and their ability to create things with thread. It just baffles me. And so if we are people of faith, God knows this. If you're going to follow me and you're going to grow... You're going to grow in Christ. You need to be in a community of like-minded people that will help you grow in knowledge, that will help you grow in understanding, will help you grow in passion. Now, let's look at how this happened in the church. If you still got your Bibles open, read with me verse 42. Uh, and they, they is the 3,000 and the disciples that were already there, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Our second take-home truth is this. A church is a community of spiritual growth. Man, sometimes the Bible is just so encouraging. Here we're looking at the early church and God tells us what's important. You know what he didn't put in there? No business meetings. <laughs> no church government. It didn't say how they were handling their bylaws. It didn't say how they were budgeting. It didn't say who was on what committee. It just simply said this. It says they. That's a community word. They. A group of people Together, They steadfastly, which means unrelenting pursuit, did these things. Number one, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. That means that they would gather in community to learn. And that's what we're doing here. We're gathering in community to learn. I've had people tell me before, you know, Brian, you know, you can have church at home. No, you can't. You can Bible study at home, you can pray at home, you can sing at home, but you can't, you can't have church at home because church, church is a gathering of people. Over the past COVID epidemic, we started something, or a lot of churches started something. They said, you can have church virtually. You can, you can attend church virtually. You can be attending online to your church. And we never did that here. We provide our teaching online. But, but we never did anything that said, hey, watch this video and it's like you're attending at church. And the reason for that is I don't believe that's what God called us to do. We want you to be access our teaching. We hope you learn something from us. We put our stuff out there on YouTube. We put it out in podcast form. 
but we've never given anybody an opportunity to pretend that they're a part of the church by watching a computer screen. What we're finding out, I heard this statistic this week, is turns out all those people that are attending online aren't very serious about their faith. There's been an 80 to 90% decline in people who are attending virtually. And the reason for that is, is because the way God designed it is we gather together to learn and to be taught as a community. It goes on to say that they were breaking bread. This is likely talking about communion. Now, if you don't understand communion, it's simply this. The ancient Jews used to have this tradition of remembrance of a time when they were in Egypt. In Egypt, they were enslaved and there were those 10 plagues. And the last plague was the angel of death would come into Egypt and would kill all the firstborns. But God told his people, if you will take the blood of a lamb and smear it across your door, the angel of death will pass over you. So every year they celebrated Passover that God had cared for them in freeing them from um, Egypt. And so when Jesus was celebrating Passover with his disciples, he broke the bread and he said, understand this, this was never about a lamb and this was never about Egypt. This was about me. And so what you see is churches gathering communally to have communion. This is something that we do as a group. And then it says they were together in fellowship and prayer, which means that they spent time, listen to this, 2,000 years ago, the first earliest Christians spent time gathering together just to build relationships and growing in those relationships, caring for each other in prayer. I love looking at this because when we talk about the early church, listen, the early church was directed by and led by the apostles. Let me be clear. God came here and he picked 12 men and God trained these 12 men to begin building the church. And then these 12 men who literally talked to God said, this is what a church is supposed to be like. We're we're to gather, break bread, we're to teach and learn, we're to fellowship and pray. So all of this is done in community because that's the way God had taught the apostles. So the question is, is what did this cause? Read with me verses 43 through 46. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, everybody said together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and good, and parted them to all men as every man needed. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. What you see here, take home truth number three, is a church is a community of connection. The Bible gives us this picture of them gathering communally. And when you read about the early church, the church that was literally directed by the closest any human being has ever been to God, it looks more like a family than what our sense of American church looks like. It looks like they're spending a lot of time together. They have these daily habits where they're, they're selling their stuff and giving the money to people that go to church with them. They're, they're gathering in the temple, temple daily. They're breaking bread, and then I love this, they're in each other's houses. See, God did not design church to be a Sunday morning thing. That's not what church is. What we're doing here is not church. This is not a church. We are the church. We are Ramsey Hots. God never meant for us to just gather for an hour a week and go home and call ourselves part of a church. So we have to ask this question. Does Ramsey Heights look like the biblical model of a church? And that's on me, so I'll carry that question. Let me ask you to carry this question. 
is that kind of connection and fellowship and love and passion what your church experience looks like? Or does our church experience look like a meeting time one hour a week where I show up and I just consume. Feeling down this week, I need, I need to sing some songs. I need some direction. I feel fed when I've been here. I come listen to the sermon and then I hit the door as quickly as possible because I don't want to talk to anybody. If that's you, that was never God's design. And I'm not here to get on to you. What I'm telling you is you are missing one of the biggest blessings of being a believer in Christ, this side of our own deaths. And that is being a part of a biblical church. See, biblically, what we see is that these people had deep connections to each other. Very deep, close connections. And if you ask most historians, most theologians, they'll tell you that these people met in houses of church members. You got to remember, this is in Jerusalem, right after Jesus was crucified for saying, I am Christ, I am God. They killed Jesus for that. And now we got 3,000 people that are meeting and saying, yes, Jesus is God. That they're not exactly very popular at this moment. There was no venue where 3,000 people gathered and maybe they had to worry about parking and they had to have four services in the same place because it just, it's just grown so quick. There was no sense of church like we think of it. What they did is they met in each other's houses and they gathered there in small groups to get to know one another and grow. See, quite honestly, when we talk about a church and they're gathering together, it is impossible for 3,000 people to all know and build relationships with each other. What psychologists will tell you is that almost everybody has three to five close friends. That's your, that's your circle, three to five. That's really all you're going to get of really close friends. And then you'll have about 150 of other people that you are relational with. You may have another few hundred of people that are acquaintances that you know their names. But the truth is, we're maxed out at about 150 relationships. That's aunts, uncles, cousins, parents, grandparents, church, friends. About 150 people, that's all we can handle. And so when you look at the early church, the early church didn't say 3,000 people gather together, everybody get to know each other, everybody support each other. They met in small groups of people in people's houses and grew close in their group, worshiping God together. If you look at the epistles, the epistles are the letters that are now books of the Bible that were written to different churches. If you look at the letter to the Corinthians, which, were, I'm sorry, the, when you write, look at the letter Corinthians, which is to the church in Corinth, that letter was delivered to somebody's house. Not the church, to somebody's house. That, that guy's name, this is biblical, his name was Gaius. That's, that's where the local church was meeting at his house. If you look at the book of Ephesians, that's the letter to the church at Ephesus. That church was meeting, or at least part of that church was meeting at the house of Priscilla and Aquila, who had also been in Rome with Paul. Uh, again, if you look at the book of Colossians, which was written to the uh, church at Colossae, it was delivered to Philemon's house, who, by the way, is also the same Philemon that the book of Philemon is titled to. And there's more. See, these people were meeting together in small, deep groups. So the question for Ramsey Heights is, and will continue to be, how do we connect to each other? I love you all. Here, here's what I've learned. When I started pastoring here, there was about 28 to 30 of us gathered on Sunday morning. And the church has grown, and the church I expect will continue to grow. And what I found is it was so easy to, to love on everybody when there were 30 people here. But now on a regular Sunday when there's 70 or 80 people here, Best I get to do to you is say, hi, I'm glad you're here. Hi, good to see you. I'm glad you think how's things going with this. And I'm just running by trying to say hi to everybody. I can't make the connections I used to. 
So as our church gets bigger, how, how do we grow in community? How, how do you grow in community? This is the purpose of what we call our bridge cruise. Now, you've heard this called different things over the year. You might call them small groups. You might call them life groups. Some people call them community groups. Some people have called it a Sunday school and said it's essentially the same thing. It doesn't really matter what you call it. The concept is that we want to be in small groups together. And we named it Bridge Cruise because we believe that the name of something defines the purpose of something. The name of something defines the purpose of something. I find this interesting in the story of Jesus. Gabriel comes to Mary and says, yeah, I know you're a virgin. God's got a special job for you. Without ever being married, without ever knowing a man, you're, you're going to become pregnant by God. And you're going to give birth to the Son of God. She didn't ask her. He just told her. She said, okay. And he gave one instruction to Mary. Does anybody know what that instruction was? You will name the child Jesus. The Hebrew word of that is Yeshua. You will, you will name him Yeshua. And that word literally means, literally means Yahweh saves. Yahweh being the proper name of God. I love this about Jesus. When Jesus is coming into the world, it was so important. The name of Jesus was so important because it defined his purpose. Jesus will come here to save. He is God. He is Yahweh coming here to save. And so we named our bridge crews, this, this, this name a bridge crew, because we wanted it to define a mission. Sunday school, you can call it that if you want to. I'm not going to get on to you for that, but man, I work at a school. It's not a happy place. I hate to tell you. And if you want to call it Sunday school, you can, but if you do something I don't like, I'm sending you to the principal's office, and that's Larry, okay? No, I'm kidding. Like, is, we, we're not having school here. That's not the purpose. It doesn't matter if you call it Sunday school, but the purpose is not to have a school-like setting. The, the purpose of what we're doing here is we're meeting together to grow in God by building relationships with others. Let me say this very clearly. If you don't write down a single thing, write this down today. We do not want you to attend Ramsey Heights. We want you to connect at Ramsey Heights because that's what a church is. I wanted to invite somebody up here today. And so, uh, Jared, if you want to start making your way up here. Uh, did he run away? Oh, there he is. <laughs> I thought he was gone. I was like, man, he's it. Uh, Jared was sharing with me earlier this week that he had written a song that was on his heart about community and he wanted to sing it. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Jared's not going to sing. Uh, I love you too much to do that to you, okay? Uh, Jared has such an interesting story. And uh, Jared, I was just wondering if you would share the story, you know, uh, what church was like when you were little versus what it is now, something that changed about seven years ago, um, how community has been a part of that for you. And um, now as a, the reason we picked him, he is one of our bridge crew leaders how you see the importance of that now. Well, I do have a story to share. My dad was a preacher. Uh, he surrendered to serve God faithfully his whole life. Uh, he was wonderful. Uh, my mom right by his side. They were great parents. Uh, and of course, that being said, you realize when I was growing up, I was in church a lot. Um, we were there uh, back then, uh, lots of revivals, week-long events, lots of traveling. Um, I guess you could say I logged a lot of hours in church. And throughout that process, I mean, I knew all the hymns. Uh, I knew I had learned all the Bible stories. Um, you know, I had met many great, wonderful people. And as, as my life went on, um, 
I grew up, I, I left mom and dad's house. You know, I took on this um, idea that, you know, I can do this, I'm ready. Uh, I went through life uh, working hard, providing for my family. Um, I had this uh, mentality, you know, I can do it. Uh, I worked really hard, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. If my family needed something, I would just go get more hours. I, you know, I could fix this, I would do it. Uh, and as, as, you know, as life went on, here I find myself all of a sudden, one morning, uh, in my 40s, and at the deepest, darkest, loneliest, you know, time in my life. And, you know, it was then that I turned to God and, you know, I prayed to God. I said, God, why am I at this point in my life? And, you know, I even took it a step further. And that's what we do. I said, God, why did you put me at this point in my life? And you know, it was then that God spoke to me. Now, I didn't, I guess, hear a voice, but I felt in my heart Him say to me, Jared, if you'll go back to church, I'll show you what you missed. So I thought, okay. You know, it's pretty dark and deep time. And, I, thought, I felt convicted. I thought, okay, I'll do it. I don't even know where I'm going to go. Uh, at that time, my brother and sister-in-law uh, were members here at Ramsey Heights. So I thought, I'll go there. So I come traipsing in. Yeah, I sit, you know, over at the end there in the back. And, you know, I, the welcome was wonderful. Uh, I noticed immediately something different. Uh, I noticed that these folks, they love God. They love God with all their heart. And you know, it was about that time in my life, God is a, he's miraculous and he's always working. And uh, he was working, uh, this, this is a time when he brought, brought my wife into my life. And I watched him through her show me um, the importance of connecting with him, of connecting in his word, and the importance of connecting with others who love him as much as I do. And it was th through all this growth, you see, Christ showed me that growing in Christ in doing that, it's important to connect. You've got to do the connect. You've got to connect to Him. You've got to connect to His Word. And you've got to connect to others, brothers and sisters who love Him dearly. And that's what I had missed. And you see, God showed me. He showed me that, you know, all them, all that time back then when I logged all them hours in church, when I knew all them hymns, you know, when I knew all the Bible stories, he said, you know, Jared, then you was in my church, but now you're a part of my church. And I thank my God for that every day.
and that's my story. You guys give him a round of applause. It's hard to get up on a stage and, and share your story. Jared is, is now one of our bridge crew leaders. He not only takes it on his heart to connect, he leads that connection. You will have a chance to meet him earlier. Jared, I got one more question for you. You can answer from there. You just shake your head. Let me ask you a question. Would you go back to the old way if you could? No. See, Jared is a perfect picture of what we want to see in believers here at Ramsey Heights. We want to see people that connect and grow in God, but also love to grow in God. And what you'll see in Jared's life is an effect that is spelled out here in the Bible in this story as well. If you've still got your Bibles with you, read with me one more time. Let's reread verse 46 and 47. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such should be saved. Our last take-home truth this morning is a church is a community of contagious joy in God. See, what I'm asking you to do today, when I'm preaching about what the Bible tells us to do today, is not one more thing on your list you need to do to make God happy. Fine, God, I'll give another hour to go sit in a class. That's not what we're asking you to do. And if that was all there was to do, I wouldn't stand here and preach this because I don't believe this. What you see in followers of Christ in Acts, what you see in followers of Christ in this church, is you see a joy in community and in following God. See, the world around them did not get better their lives got better in the world they lived in because they were connected with a faith family, because they were connected with other believers. And the reason for that is, is they connected with God and then they connected with others who were connected with God, which made them more connected with God. Guess what this church exists to do? It's to get people more connected with God. And so what you see here, the reason why this happens is because as you're a follower of Christ, you grow and celebrate your relationship with God. Listen, God never wanted from you an hour a week. Find in the Bible, I'll take it back, but he never wanted an hour a week. God never wanted you to just drop money in the offering plate because you had to. What God has always desired from you and me is a relationship with us where we are connected to him where we know him, where we grow in him, where we learn to love him more, where we have more passion for him every day. That's why we spend so much talk, time talking about my personal relationship with God. It's not about coming to church. It's about growing in relationship and community with him. And for this reason, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He didn't have to come here. Could let us go. But he came to us and he took on one of these old stupid bodies that has pain and breaks down on us. And he met with people and he walked from town to town just to connect with people and he ate at their houses. And eventually he gave his life on a cross so that we could be connected to him forever. Listen, the point of what Jesus did on the cross was not to get you into heaven. We've got to quit worshiping heaven. What Jesus did on the cross was to get you back to him. And so this morning, this morning, well, I want to just kind of give you this challenge or give us this challenge. You may be sitting here this morning, you may be realizing, I need community, not with other Christians. Right now, I need community with God because you've never had that. 
And what I want you to know is that Jesus Christ loves you no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you've been, no matter how long you've ran away from him, he has a deep driving passion for you. And he already did the work for you to be connected to him. All you have to do is go to God and say, God, I believe you did that and I accept it. I receive it. That's what it said. But for the rest of us, maybe you have community with God. But I want to challenge you this morning, if I could have the musicians. I want to challenge you this morning to step into community with other believers. I want to challenge you this morning to make a commitment that part of my life and part of following God and part of knowing Him more is going to be being connected, not attending, but connecting in the church. Being with other believers. Worshiping. And let me tell you from personal experience, there's very little in this world that will make you happier than growing in relationships with people who are passionate about God when you are passionate about God. So this morning, I had you pray earlier that God would open your heart. I believe he does it when we ask him. So this morning, if God's telling you, you need community with God, you need salvation, don't let today be another day that you walk away. And if God's telling you that today you need community with other believers, don't be another day that you walk away. Make that step, make that commitment, say, God, I'll find a way to connect here or wherever you want to go to church if it's not here. But don't leave here ignoring what God's calling you to do. Let's stand and worship together.